There it is. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Shall we sing our praise? Would you stand and sing with us, please? And one, two, three, four.
Good morning. It is good to see you on the second Sunday of Easter. This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 150, and you can find that on page 572 in your pew Bible. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tremble and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and to give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. We know that your steadfast love is better than life. Guide us that we may seek you in spirit and truth. Teach us to live with thanksgiving and the blessings that come from obeying your voice. Remind us often that we serve you alone and not other voices. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to take a moment before we start the children's sermon today to thank everyone who donated to and supported our Easter egg hunt this year. We had a wonderful turnout. We actually had 125 children registered for the egg hunt um, from our community, and it was a great opportunity to uh, open our church to them and let them know that we're here. There is not just the Presbyterian church. There's one next to them. And we want to be a part of their lives. Your donations of candy and of eggs. We had over 3,000 eggs donated for this year's egg hunt. And then when we were stuffing the candy, I had to go out and buy like 1,500 more because we ran out of eggs. And then we ran out of eggs during our last egg hunt. So we went and got some more candy because y'all like, Y'all were happy to buy candy this year, and I appreciate that. So we went and we got our backup candy, and we were just kind of chucking it at the kids or letting them pick it up out of a bowl. So everybody left with huge baskets full of candy, and they all had a great time. And because of this event, we were able to reach out to 24, 25 different families in our community who were looking for a church home. They were either new to the area or we're looking for another church home. And that all happened because of your donations of, your, of candy and of eggs and of time. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who did that for us? The kids, I think, had a fun time. I'm pretty sure. I, I see a nod, so we'll go with yes. They had a fun time. So at this time, I want to invite my kiddos forward for the children's sermon. Good morning, my kiddos. So we had the egg hunt, and we all got lots of candy, right? The Easter Bunny came to visit. We had Easter service, and we did, like, all the music, right? There was, like, everybody was doing music, and there were trumpets happening and all these things. Then we put everything away and we're done, right? Easter's, Easter's done. It's kaput for the year. No? Are you sure? Easter is every day. We are Easter people, aren't we? Because we focus on what? What is Easter about? Jesus rising from the dead. He conquered death, right? He kicked sin in the butt. And that's what we focus on, isn't it? You're right. Easter is not over. In fact, when Jesus came back to life, when he rose from the dead, he didn't go straight up into heaven. We celebrate that later on on Ascension Sunday. But Jesus stayed on earth, and he taught, and he lived with his disciples for another 40-some-odd days, right? 
And he wasn't zombie Jesus, okay? He wasn't rocking around eating brains. He was fully back to life Jesus. In fact, his disciples had such a hard time accepting that he wasn't a ghost, that he had to, he had to show them that he wasn't a ghost. They had to touch him and feel him. They had to, Jesus asked for, there's one example where he asked for fish to be brought to him so he could eat the fish in front of them. And they could see that it wasn't falling out of his body. He was, in fact, a real person, right? Ghosts can't eat. We all know that. They can't eat. But Jesus could. They can eat spirit bread. The spirit ever. I need to know more about this later, okay? But Jesus was not a ghost. He was fully person, and he taught. And during those 40 days, he gave us a job to do. He was teaching his disciples what they needed to know before they left because they finally figured it out, right? Jesus had been teaching them for three years what they needed to know before he was going to go up into heaven, but they didn't quite understand it. Well, now they've seen their friend die on a cross, and they've seen him rise back to life and conquer death, and now they get it. They should get it completely, right? This dude was legit. He knew what he was talking about. And he's definitely God's son. He's changed the world for us. So Jesus gives him a job. And he gave us that job, too, as followers of Jesus. Did you know you had a job to do? Yeah. No? Uh, clean my room. Maybe. Clean your room. You do have that job to do. Jesus says, clean your room. <laughs> clean your bed. I love it. Jesus gave us the job of telling everyone about him and about his father's kingdom. Did you know that? Before he goes up into heaven, he tells his disciples, I want you to go out into the entire world, all nations, and tell everyone you meet about who I am and who my father is. We call that today the Great Commission. He gave us all like this secret mission to do, except it's really not a secret. It's just our job. But that sounds, it's, it's easier said than done sometimes. I have found in my life that sometimes telling people about Jesus can be really hard. It can be kind of awkward. Has anybody had that experience? They've tried to tell somebody about Jesus and it hasn't really gone very well. Maybe you've kind of felt like it was not the best day, right? It can be weird to try to tell people about Jesus. You don't know how that person, whether it's a complete stranger or whether it's a loved one, like a friend or a family member, you don't know how they're going to react in that moment, right? They could be joyful at what you have to say about what Jesus has done in your life. They could be angry they can make it super awkward, and I have been through those super awkward moments where they just, you know, it's just stare. Thank you. I was looking for something. It's just weird. It can be weird, right? And that's been, <laughs> they just sit there and stare at you. That's been the truth since Jesus gave us that command. You see, his apostles, the guys who walked with him on earth, the 12 disciples, they had that same job to do after Jesus went up into heaven. And they ran into a lot of problems doing that job, especially during that time, right? During that time, the church council, the church council that Jesus had to deal with himself, they didn't want other people teaching about Jesus. They thought they had gotten rid of him, right? We put him on a cross. He died. It's done and over with. We shouldn't have to deal with this dude anymore. And then Jesus rises from the dead. And then his apostles are teaching about him again. And they realize that they've got another problem to deal with. And we're going to learn when we go into Spark Worship, we're going to learn about how they dealt with that and what their response was because it's really important for how we deal with that, right? When we encounter those situations where it feels hard or it feels awkward to tell other people about Jesus, what should our response be? Should we just keep it to ourselves or should we continue to share it, right? We have this most wonderful, amazing gift that's happened to us. And I don't know about you guys, but when I have a really awesome gift given to me, I want to tell everybody about it right? And we should be doing the same with our faith. And we should know that when we share 
God's love with other people, God's doing work in their life. Every heart has a specific time that they need to hear God's word. And we don't know what that time is. So when you're talking to your friends and you say something like, Jesus loves you and I love you too, right? If they're going through a hard time, they might not hear it that time. They might not. Or that might be the exact thing, that exact moment that they need to hear that God loves them for their heart to change and for them to accept God. We don't know that. It's not our, time, it's not our job to judge whether or not that person needs to hear about our, our, our God, how awesome he is. It's our job to tell them. And God takes care of the rest, all right? Will you all bow your heads, fold your hands, close your eyes? Let's talk to God. Say, dear Jesus, help us to tell others about your great love that overcame death to give us eternal life. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to exit out the back for spark worship. Good morning. Good to see all of y'all here on this last Sunday of April. And as Jesse said, the second Sunday of Easter. I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow it is to see each and every one of you here this morning. Praise the Lord. You may have noticed the slide, but if you didn't notice the slide, I'm going to vocalize it. The altar flowers this morning, and lovely they are. Debbie did a great job, as she always does, are in honor of Kathy. My constant rainbow is the excellent music we enjoy here and the, the program that's run by Kathy, and she does a great job. So praise the Lord for Kathy. Amen. Hopefully, I won't embarrass you again today. I want to keep everybody on the prayer list that are recovering. Particularly, I want to lift up Dan this morning. Uh, Dan's doing okay, but he didn't make it to the earlier service. When I talked to him earlier this week, he thought he might. We want to lift up Dan. Oh, Lord, we pray. And all of those who are being treated or have chronic chronic conditions or have recently had surgeries and are recovering, uh, we want to lift them up. Oh, Lord, we pray. And then I have a couple that uh, I remembered during the first service, two very, very small children. One of them's a little girl who is only a couple of weeks old. Her name's Lily. I want to lift her up. Oh, Lord, we pray. And the other one's a little boy that's two, and his name is Henry. And Henry was born with a heart defect, and he actually, they actually operated on him in vitro, right, while he was still in the womb. They, they do that these days. Amazing, huh? Some of the But anyway, Henry's up in Boston for, he's had several surgeries since he was born, but he's up in Boston for treatment this week, and he had a stroke. So I want us to uh, lift up little Henry. Oh, Lord, we pray. What other rainbows and or rattlesnakes do we have to share with each other? We're happy to see Jesus back. He's still suffering from his knee problems, but we're glad, and I'm glad to be here. I can't hear anything, but at least I could be in your presence. Count your blessings. 
We're, we're glad that Jesus is here. My uh, middle son had a, a wedding, so we just welcome a new member into the family, our daughter-in-law. So just praying for you know, okay. have a happy <laughs> uh, marriage. So good stuff, birthdays and weddings, of celebrations. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks. I'd like to lift up my daughter's friend lives in Lubbock. You may remember me asking for prayers for him. He was the fireman who was at a call on the highway in the icy conditions, and he and his team got hit. He was the only one who survived. And we went to see him a couple of weeks ago, and he's doing so much better. And I wanted to thank you for your prayers. I also want to ask you to continue to pray as he had major brain damage and it has affected his personality and he has begun taking out his anger and frustration on his five-year-old daughter. So if you could keep Matt in your prayers, I would appreciate it. Okay. So we want to lift up Matt. Oh, Lord, we pray. All righty, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come together and, as your word says, praise you. We give you thanks for life and friends and family and all the things that you give us. Lord, we lift up those that we've named, and there are many that have not been named that need healing. We lift them up to you for completeness and wholeness. Lord, I, I lift up our brothers and sisters and all the people in the Ukraine. I pray for peace there. I lift up our Christian brothers and sisters and the American citizens who are still in Afghanistan. I ask, Lord, that you would protect them. I lift up those who don't have enough to eat, clean water to drink, clothes to wear, or shelter, wherever they may be found. Guide us that we could do what we can to alleviate suffering wherever we find it. I lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would submit themselves to you and seek and do your will. I lift up peoples everywhere who don't know of your love and grace. Teach us to speak up and share it with them as your son did. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, it was 
54 years ago yesterday that the United Methodist Church began uh, at General Conference in Fort Worth, Texas, April the 23rd, 1968, so 54 years ago that we began this incarnation of our faith. Of course, the Methodist Church started long, long ago, but the United Methodist Church has only been around for 54 years. April 1968 was a very important month historically, and I just want to remind us of a few things that happened here. Then, as I look around, most of you were alive and kicking in April of 1968. Some of you were alive and kicking in April of 1948. Dare I go further? But anyway, it's of crucial importance that we understand history. Not only understand it, but know it, that we know history. As I've said before, you know, most of us learn that if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. But as I get older, I get more and more convinced that whether you know it or not, you're going to repeat it, all right? It seems because there are many, many people in places of importance and power that do know history, but uh, it seems they have amnesia. A few other things that happened in April of 1968, other than the beginning of the United Methodist Church. On April 3rd, 1968, the North Vietnamese agreed to enter into peace talks to end the conflict in Vietnam. Saigon fell in May of 75, so that wasn't a fast process, and it didn't really work out as was planned, as many times things happen with our plans, right, as opposed to God's plan. April the 4th, 1968, Apollo 6, which was the first Apollo mission that was on a Saturn V rocket, blasted off, but it was unmanned. Apollo 6 was unmanned. Also on April the 4th, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. April the 6th, 1968, something near and dear to many people in this room, Hemisphere 68 opened up, all right? April the 6th, 1968, San Antonio, Texas, okay? April the 11th, 1968, President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1968 into law. And then maybe the most astounding thing of all that happened in April of 1968. On April the 15th, 1968, the Houston Astros defeated the New York Mets in the Astrodome one to nothing in a game that lasted 24 innings, six hours long. Talk about getting your money's worth, right? You could, pro you could probably get a ticket back then for five bucks or maybe less up in the nosebleed seats there in the Astrodome, right? April the 18th, 1968. Here's a good one. The deal was cut to sell London Bridge and move it to Arizona. 
And, and, and I'm sure a number of you have seen London Bridge in Arizona. So uh, those are just some of the things. Oh, one more thing. One more thing that's of, of great importance. And it's also very relevant, I think, considering our current, current events is in April of 1968, the United States detonated three, not one, not two, but three nuclear bombs, okay, underground tests, and the Soviet Union detonated one. So there were four atomic bombs set off in April of 1968. One of my points in bringing all that stuff up is, is to remind us that as it tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, our clothes look a little different, and our mode of transportation may change, and our modes of communication may change, but the human heart is the same. And truth and reality are the same and always will be. You know, as it was in the beginning, tis now and ever shall be, world without end. And God and God's kingdom is reality, and in fact, the only reality. Everything else is, in today's vernacular, virtual reality. So before I read today's scripture reading, a little bit of background to set up what happens in the verses that I read this morning in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, Peter and John and some of the other uh, apostles and disciples have been spreading the good news in Jerusalem like Jesus told them to do, like we are supposed to do. And it says that even Peter's shadow, when it fell on people, would heal them. And all sorts of people were running around, and they were, they were trying to get up close to Peter and, uh, and, and, as it says, even just get in his shadow. Well, those in power, the high priest and the Sanhedrin and the other religious authorities there, you know, the, the Romans could care less as long as there was peace because this was a religious dispute anyway, as we see a couple other places in the book of Acts. But the high priest and the, the leaders of the, the temple got upset. So they threw Peter and John in jail. Well, you know what happened? An angel of the Lord appeared and sprung them from jail, you know? I talk about a get-out-of-jail-free card. And they head right back over to the temple, to Solomon's porch, it says, and they were preaching again. So next morning the chief priest and the other leaders head over to the jail, tell the prison guards to go down and bring them out. The prison guards went down and said, they're not here. So somebody came up and said, you know what? We just heard that they're over at the temple preaching again. So that's the background for today's reading, which comes out of Second Luke, a.k.a. Acts, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Consider the word of the Lord. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. 
The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has sent to those who obey Him. The Word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who desires that none would perish, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in Your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. So, Look at what's going on here. Again, history repeats itself. It's cyclical. Some people would argue with that, but some people are wrong. The high priest, they've brought, they've, they've brought Peter and his entourage in front of the high priest and the council there, and they say, didn't we tell you not to preach in this man's name? Didn't we tell you not to say that? Over and over and over again. There are many, many, many examples. They're not countless because they could be counted, right? That's one of those probably terms that we use when we ought not use it. There are many examples throughout history. Whenever a ruling regime, a tyranny, a power structure is threatened, They try to squelch free speech. They try to say, you can't talk about that. We don't want you to talk about that. It happens over and over and over again. Free speech is the enemy of tyranny. We need never forget it. And it it shows us very, very clearly there. In Acts chapter 5, it was going on in Jerusalem in those days, just as it is going on in our world today. And we need be vigilant, and we need exercise our God-given, our God-given right to say the truth whenever and wherever that takes place, just like Peter was doing. And you know what? Got him thrown in jail. So what, right? God sprung him from jail, you know? You cannot quelch the truth. It won't happen, never has happened over a long period of time successfully, okay? Don't preach in this name, they said. Well, again, one of those themes that I've, I've hit on several times over the, the years that I've been here is the importance of names, and naming things, right? 
and what we call things. In fact, it tells us in Proverbs, I think it's chapter 9, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, it's in Proverbs uh, that one of the things God hates is perverse speech. Perverse speech, right? It's important what things are called and names are important. Remember when Moses approached the Almighty out in the desert when he saw the burning bush there and he says, you know, I got to go back to these Egyptians and these Egyptians have all these gods, you know, like of Isis and, and whoever else, right? And of Horus, what's your name? What's your name? And God said, what? I am that I am, all right? That's my name. You tell them I am sent you, you know? Or talking about Peter here talking about Peter here. There in uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 42, I think, what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of John, your name will be Cephas, right, from now on, you know? Cephas is Aramaic for rock, just like Petra is, is Greek for rock, and that's where we get Peter, and we call him Peter. Jesus said, you're the rock. You're the rock. You're the, you're the ringleader, okay? You're going to be the one. He changed his name. It was important. What things are called are important. Jesus runs across the demoniac. He went over to the land of the Gerasenes, Right? The demoniac there meets him in the tomb. He's chained down. The chains can't keep him. He keeps breaking the chains. He's a wild man, literally. He's possessed. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, what's your name? What's your name? He needed to know who he was addressing, okay? It's important. And what did he say? He said, my name's Legion because we are many. And the forces in our world today that still speak against or don't speak the truth are many. They're legion as well. What something is named is crucially important. You know, God gave Adam the authority to name all the animals, right? Because Adam was created in God's image, and Adam had creative ability too, as do each and every one of us. And that's one of the things Jesus returned to us by his death and resurrection. We have that creative ability if we will but walk in it. I'll remind you of this month's homework, right? Second Peter there, chapter 1. You ought to check it out. Check it out. But anyway, names are so important. Some of you remember... This wasn't quite as long ago as 1968. This was more like 2018. For a few weeks in the summer, we did a, ser a series on being a neighbor, right? And who is my neighbor? And I ask you all then, how many of you, how many of you can tell me the names of your neighbors that live on the right side of you, the left side of you, across the street from you, and behind you, right? I would hope that everybody can, but I know, in fact, everybody can't, okay? But this is where it starts. 
this is where it starts. The part, the, the next charge that was brought against them, right? You're filling Jerusalem with this teaching. How are you going to fill any place with a teaching of any kind if you don't talk to people? And how are you going to talk to people if you don't know their name, right? If they don't know your name. You don't have to start talking to them about, you know, uh, systematic theology the, the first time you have a conversation with them. You can talk about them about how the Astros beat the Mets in 1968, right? Or maybe they're golfers, or maybe, I don't know what they are, you know, maybe, they're, maybe they ride skateboards, or they're gamers, or whatever. The point is, when you get a relationship with somebody, you can spread the teaching. Now, since we're talking about the birthday of the United Methodist Church and Methodism in general, I remind us, and I will remind you, you'll see it in my highlights article for May about John Wesley's questions to the Holy Club, right? There are 22 questions that John Wesley expected all good Methodists to ask themselves on a daily basis, on a daily basis. And question number 10 is, when was the last time I shared my faith with someone? Hmm, pretty good question, a pretty good question. But Peter has an answer to the council and the high priest, right? And he didn't equivocate, right? He didn't say, well, you know, when it's convenient or when I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or when I'm in church with everybody that thinks or thinks more or less like I do, right? He said, no. He said, we must, we must obey God rather than man's authority, right? We must obey God rather than man's authority. Now, in another historic April, April of 1963, Martin Luther King Jr., who I mentioned earlier, was assassinated on the 4th of April, 1968. In 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested in Birmingham for taking part in a peaceful demonstration for civil rights, right? And it was peaceful. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a bad situation at all. And many of you have probably read Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. It's a very famous uh, piece of writing. And in fact, it's, it's, it hangs in the federal courthouse in Birmingham now, as a matter of fact. One of the things, besi besides a blasting attack on the church of Christian leaders and Jewish leaders at the time, Dr. King brings up this whole point that Peter's talking about. Who should we obey? Should we obey man or should we obey God? And one of the things he says in there is that a just law, a just law, is a man-made code that squares with moral law, comma, or the law of God, right? He's, he's equating moral law to the law of God. That's a just law. 
Those are the things that we as Christians should advocate for and should support and take part in, just like Peter did, just like Peter did. Listen to and obey God, not man. I'm not saying that we should all turn into confrontational people. I'm simply saying that we should always speak the truth in love and not buy into the lies, wherever they come from. Because typically that's what happens. Typically that's what happens. When you, you know, when you equivocate, what you're really asking for is for God to do what you want God to do, not the other way around, right? Not the other way around. When we obey God, that's our proper posture and place to be. So, This brings me to John Wesley's 22 questions for the Holy Club, question number 13, okay? And question number 13 says, do I disobey God in anything? Well, again, a pretty good question. So, I challenge all of us this morning, the second morning of Easter, the second morning of victory, over sin and death, the second morning of resurrection into the fullness of life, we must obey God rather than man's authority. Amen? Now go in peace, and as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.